One of the most common questions I hear these days is why do artists need a record label? The answer is artists don't need a record label per se, but they definitely do need someone or a team of people to do the business that record labels normally handle. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's show, we spotlight some companies that offer services to artists who are doing their business without a traditional label. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange. You're listening to the future of what. I'm talking to Shanna Jade of STEM. Shanna, welcome to the future of what. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, can you start off by telling everybody what is STEM? Absolutely. So, STEM is a distribution and payments platform for independent artists and labels. So, we essentially function as a back office solution to artists and labels that want to handle their own accounting, their own distribution, and be able to provide a shared dashboard to everyone involved in the creative process. Wow. That is an ambitious undertaking. It's kind of perfect for what I'm interested in right now is it's a commonly heard thing people say all the time. Why do artists need a record label in this day and age? And You know, the answer I always give them is they don't necessarily need a record label, but they do need someone to do their business because there's quite a lot of business to be done when you're a band or an artist. And certainly one of the most nitty gritty and important things about what record labels do for artists is is we manage the money. We track the income, we track the expenses, we calculate royalties and we pay those out. STEM is going to step into that space. And that's, I mean, I think that that's exciting because, you know, one of the crazy things about the current music landscape is that there suddenly are so many income streams. So it becomes quite a chore to keep track of all that stuff. Absolutely. And I think that, like you're saying, there's so many new income streams for artists and new platforms that they can make their content available on it's really important that there's a solution that is centered around technology that can meet the volume and just the breadth of the reporting that's coming from these platforms. Right. So can you give us a little background on how, like who came up with STEM, whose idea was this and how long did it take to develop? Yeah. So the company has three co-founders. Our CEO, Milana, was a digital agent at United Talent Agency and was working with various digital artists that primarily put their content up on YouTube and was frustrated that they weren't able to easily collaborate with each other and split the earnings on the content that they created. And meanwhile, our company's current president, Tim, he and I actually worked together on a record label several years ago where we had a distribution deal with The Orchard, which was really exciting for us. But we were working with about 10 bands of maybe 
three to seven people each. And when it came time to split the earnings among them and show them their data, we only had one login. So we were sending screenshots of data to people and the accounting was difficult. So it came out of the frustration of just not being able to do something that seemed so rudimentary given that collaboration is a cornerstone of creativity. So Tim and Milana got together alongside with our design co-founder, Joven, and started the product. And now here we are today. And how long ago was that? How long did this take? That was a little over three years ago. Wow. So the company has been around for that long. And since then, we've grown to service to platforms all over the world. We have thousands of artists and labels that use STEM to distribute their music and split earnings with each other. And what's really exciting is it's empowering these artists to really understand their data and understand their business and where their money is coming from. And it's a wonderful thing to see when an artist can quit their day job with the money that they make independently, or they can negotiate and leverage a better deal when labels eventually come to them or just when they're talking to different brands and things like that. It's really great for them to see where everything's coming from. Because the big thing about STEM is that we have direct worldwide deals with all the platforms that we distribute content to. So when an artist logs into STEM and looks at their performance and earnings data, they're seeing source data from the platform that we simply parse and visualize to make them easily digestible and actionable. So they can trust that there's nobody taking a little bit off the top or maybe changing the numbers around a little bit. It's completely sourced data. So they know that they're seeing exactly how their content's performing. So would you say your competitors in the marketplace are like a CD baby? Yeah. Our competitors can be a TuneCore, DistroKid, CD baby, all the way up to an AWOL or COBOL. And even we like to say that sometimes advances are our competition because STEM is more focused on handling the administrative work for artists. So we aren't signing anybody into deals. We simply take 5% of whatever you put through us and there's no term to using STEM. So you can try us out for one song and see how you like it. You can put a few songs through us. If you have a label that is only working with you in certain territories, you can use STEM for the other territories. We're really flexible. So when it comes to our competitive landscape, there's a value proposition for pretty much everything that artists are looking for. And it's great to work on a product that allows so much flexibility for the creative class. Yeah. And so do you guys collect both sides? So you collect the master and you collect the publishing sides? So we primarily work on the master side. When it comes to publishing, this actually isn't widely known, but when a song is downloaded digitally in the United States, like on iTunes or Amazon or Google Play, the mechanical royalty is actually lumped into the master payment that is sent to the distributor, which is then passed along to the artist. So oftentimes, if you're going through a TuneCore or a CD Baby, artists are receiving their mechanical royalties and don't even realize that they have to admin them out figure out the splits and then pay either the songwriters or the publishers. So something that STEM solves for on the publishing side that I believe no other independent distributor currently does 
is we actually admin out that mechanical royalty from digital downloads. And we ask uploaders to put in the royalty splits on the publishing so that we can pay the songwriters or the publishers directly based on that rate. So when an artist comes through STEM, there's no accounting that needs to be done on their end because we can handle it. And so when people sign up for STEM, they need to put all of their data in up front, right? So they need to know the splits on their songs. They need to know who the writers were, who the publishing company is, if, if any, right? So you guys have all that information in your back end. Yep, that's correct. When it comes to the publisher, so let's say you and I write a song together and we're splitting it 50-50 and I'm uploading the song to STEM. If I don't know your publisher, that's okay. Because in order to get paid by STEM through the splits, everyone that is added as a shareholder actually needs to log into STEM and accept their split within the platform in order for funds to be distributed on a given contract. And when you're a composition shareholder, we actually ask you to confirm your publisher's name and contact information. So if I'm moving too quickly and maybe I make a mistake in entering in your publisher's name or I don't know it, that's actually okay because you're going to have the opportunity to confirm that yourself. Gotcha. So have you found STEM to be popular with managers? Because when people say, why do you need a record label? And I say, oh, you don't necessarily need a record label, but you need someone to do your business. Some people have chosen the route of having management sort of do some of the label chores. And it seems like this would be a platform that would really appeal to managers because they could just get in there and take care of everything themselves. Yeah, we have a lot of managers that have championed the platform for their artists specifically. I think our platform really makes a difference to anybody that's had to go through the headache of doing accounting or looking at spreadsheets as they relate to streaming or download data. So managers love us because we alleviate some of the back-end accounting burden that would typically fall on them. And something that we're seeing too is that to the point of maybe artists not needing labels, some managers are actually starting their own ad hoc labels and funding artists themselves and kind of doing everything that a label would, but as a manager and putting the content out directly through STEM. So we're actually seeing people take our technology and come up with new ways to get content out there and to work with artists as a result. And that's really exciting to see our work directly affect some change within the industry. Yeah, no, that's really cool. So what else is coming down the pike for STEM? Like, it looks like you guys are growing. You know, you have a careers page and you have several jobs Mm -hmm. available. So it looks like your company's growing. Yeah, so we're growing. We are actually making quite a few engineering and product hires right now. So if anyone is listening and works within those fields, please apply. (laughs) Yeah, our path for the next year is really just improving our product and further developing tools that help artists and their teams, whether that be different roles for people or just optimizing the product to show better data and paying people faster. Our big thing is that we want to pay artists and their teams as quickly as possible. Right now, we do it as quickly as we can based on when the platforms pay us. But a priority of ours is to really just 
make it so that artists aren't waiting and waiting and waiting on their paychecks and instead know that they're going to get paid when they're told that they're going to get paid and can plan their lives around being an artist. We always talk about internally how there's this idea of the starving artist that everyone kind of subscribes to. Like we talk about it in pop culture. It's just something that everyone kind of agrees is a thing. Like if you're an artist, it's likely you're a starving artist. And we always talk internally about flipping that narrative and instead talking about the thriving artist or the working artist and telling those stories instead. So our goal as a company is really to eradicate that notion that if you're going to be an artist, you have to live paycheck to paycheck because that's not a reality for everyone. I love it. Yeah. And all of us in the music industry today are sort of partially engaged in flipping the script about how the music industry is this big bad place that's just existing to steal money from artists and keep artists apart from their cash and their royalties and stuff like that. So you guys are definitely doing a, a good service in that regard. Thank you. Yeah, we always talk about how the music industry is a great place and there's a lot of exciting things happening right now in terms of technology, but really it just needs some new pipes for earnings and data to flow through. You know, it needs a little bit of a renovation. So hopefully STEM can continue to champion that change. And it's also great to see other companies following suit and offering things like splits or faster payments to artists. Yeah. Because that just means that the rest of the industry is going to catch up and we're just going to keep creating an industry that's friendlier and friendlier for artists. And that's exciting. Awesome. So, so good. So Shanna Jade from STEM, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What? Thank you for having me.
That was Guest Girl Vocalist by Kinski. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Justin Schmidt of Missing Peace Group. Justin, welcome to The Future of What? Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. So tell me, first off, what does Missing Peace Group do? Missing Peace Group, the company I work for, we are a multifaceted company. We are primarily known for our PR and media relations work, and that's kind of my role in the company. I'm a publicist primarily, though I help in some of our other projects. But in addition to that, we also manage a number of artists. We have a fairly substantial digital marketing and social media team as well which kind of provides a different set of services that sometimes overlap with PR, but also operate independently. And on occasion when we want to, we function as a record label. So we basically, you know, have a wide breadth of activities. So uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because it's a very popular topic of conversation right at the moment where I hear from a lot of people you know, why do you need a record label? Why do people need a record label? And I always answer them the same way, which is that actually it really depends on the band. And it's not that everybody needs a record label and it's a cookie cutter model that fits everyone. What you actually really need is someone to do your business. And so, you know, when artists are at different stages in their careers, they need different things. And I've been looking at the missing Peace Group roster and, you know, you have some bigger artists on there and they're, it's kind of a perfect example because, you know, if you have a, a larger artist that let's say used to be on a major label, is no longer on a major label, but has a fan base, has people, you know, guaranteed that they can sell their stuff to and, and has a, you know, connection to their fans. Those people can do very well by coming to, you know, an organization like Missing Peace Group and saying, hey, let's put together the services, a package of services for me that I need that's tailored exactly to me. Is that what you're finding? That's true. When we have clients like that, for sure. I'm working with Dave Davies of the Kinks right now, for example. We'll be announcing something from him soon, though I suppose by the time this comes out, that's already out there. And that's an example of that kind of client where... Yes, I'd say that he has a fairly well-established fan base. And so that kind of campaign, that kind of relationship is going to be based more on lining up targets that we want. It's more about enacting a plan. We have a better sense of how that's going to go. And we also work with a lot of emerging artists, too, on the other end of the spectrum. And it's a different kind of ballgame then. It's equally important, arguably more so. But in those cases, it's more about the service we're providing is helping establish and solidify that initial public impact, which can translate into expanding their fan base and retaining fans. Exactly. And I'm assuming that you have seen an increase in recent years of young bands that are unsigned coming to you specifically to get to hire you guys to do PR for them. Yeah, there's a steady stream of that. And we love, you know, getting submissions from all artists. We, you know, love listening to stuff. And we work with any artist who we think has something, meaning that, you know, can succeed in what we do and, you know, has set up a, a decent structure for themselves, if not a team, to help make that process go smoothly. 
Yeah, it's been increasing because I think, and it's this is almost ironic, but I think people are finding it harder to make an impact kind of as the landscape continues to change both on and off the internet in terms of media opportunities. So, you know, our services are in demand and, you know, we want to do right by all our clients for that, despite the challenges of getting press in this day and age. Let's talk a little bit about some of those challenges, because I know certainly from our perspective as a label that, you know, the the way the PR market has gone and sort of there's just publications in general has been really weird because it was like for a while it was just an explosion, right? There were there were like so many outlets that now suddenly the world of blogs has made it so that we can get our artists on, you know, tons of stuff across the country and the world. And now I feel like it's contracting again in this weird way. Yeah, you're right about that. To a certain extent, anyways, as, as far as blogs go, yeah, there was definitely like a bubble that I think has kind of burst at this point a few years back. I mean, there were the heady days of, I don't know, the, the mid-aughts or something when it seemed like everybody, you know, who had a good head on their shoulders about music criticism could have a blog. Therefore, every artist that was producing good music could get the recognition they deserved. And while that was, you know, even unrealistic for the time, I do think that there was more of a clear pipeline or a media pipeline anyways, from like local blog buzz to bigger blog buzz to pitchfork review to having some sort of starting point for a sustainable career. That can still happen, but that is... I don't know if that's the recommended strategy, I would say, right now that would be most promising. Yeah, I think a lot of blogs have dropped off. The relevancy of them i mean blogs are always gonna be relevant i love music blogs and don't get me wrong like i don't i don't think that we should ignore them i pitch them all the time and they do great writing in many cases that's cool but in terms of just looking at the cold hard facts and getting those bigger results and working up the chain to a pitchfork a consequence of sound a rolling stone it's not as easy a ladder to climb just in in part because there's been more consolidation and as you said a lot of mid-level outlets have folded really what do you tell artists because i'm sure you run into this all the time because i feel like this is kind of the state of artists and i was the same way when i was in a band there's this sort of strange belief that if we only get x then everything is going to follow like dominoes after that and x can be like a pitchfork review or X can be like a specific show. Artists so frequently have this sort of weird mentality of like, if we just get this one thing to happen, then definitely everything's going to be like roses after that. Yeah, that definitely happens. And people do have that mindset to a certain extent. I do think that artists today are a little more business savvy and realistic than they have been in years past. I think we're all just a little bit more jaded nowadays for many reasons. But, you know, one of the positive aspects of that is I do encounter that a little bit less than I used to. But yeah, I mean, artists, they're music listeners, they're watching videos, they're going to these sites, they're reading these magazines, and they see themselves there and just as they had that music discovery fan experience with one of their favorite artists that they found at one of these places they feel like oh like I can be that I can do that because that one thing that got me into it you know can be that for a hundred thousand other people and that's just one of those many dreams that make people want to be a musician and you know have an audience it's okay to have that thought i guess but you have to balance it against the more realistic larger long-term plan and the fact that 
there is no real single media hit you can rely on to make that happen. And it's not smart to hope for that. You, you want to consider everything to be a slow ramping up of the volume over a extended period of time. You know, that's what we would advise our clients. And that's the approach that we take. We want to develop long-term relationships with both outlets and our clients and, you know, everybody else in the industry so that when the next album comes, when the next video comes, when the next thing happens, we're building on something that's already been there. So I think taking a cumulative approach to this, a long-term vision, you know, think of this as building your media profile rather than trying to just breakthrough. That, I think, is the smarter perspective to take. Yeah, that's wise. Now, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when one really good Pitchfork review would actually sell a ton of records. Like, that could substantially change a band's career trajectory, you know, like if they got Pitchfork Best New Music for a release or something. Is there anything in the marketplace like that these days? Or is it really just like what you said, it's more of a slow burn and a steady increasing of awareness? I don't think there's anything like that that can kind of guarantee the immediate hit that the old Pitchfork review used to. I think there are things that if they catch fire on social media or in the public consciousness can serve that function. I think like something like a really killer NPR Tiny Desk concert could break through or, you know, a potential late night TV musical guest there. They're still making an impact on with that as a platform. Certainly the viewership is at you know the highest you can get there. If occasionally still Pitchfork can make that happen, but usually it's more, I think, with repeated hits there rather than one single thing. There's really very little that I would yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to struggling to think of any good example of that right now. There are a number of super wonderful, great media opportunities that I would love as a wish list for any one of my clients or our clients, but there's no magic bullet. Right. I know. That's the sad part. The sad truth. That's a subtitle of the show. It's like the future of what? The sad truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the, 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 the music industry, the sad truth. Exactly. <laughs> So I know this show is listened to by a lot of up-and-coming young musicians. And so can you talk about what you look for in a client? You know, when someone sends you an email and says, hey, we're looking for press, what kinds of things are you looking for in bands? I mean, I'm assuming that you guys obviously don't take on every single person who emails you because then you'd have, you know, a 3,000-person roster at all times. I mean, that's that's just untenable. So you must have some screening mechanisms. Yeah. And, you know, after a while, you kind of just get a feel for understanding like this band's ready and this band, well, they don't quite seem like they're there. But specifically, you want to see that the band has a structure and certain assets in place ready to go such that there is a story and there is content that can be what you're promoting. So specifically for content, you know, you need to have recordings and you need to have them, you know, something either in the pipeline or something new coming out that's unreleased. I, I guess it should be said that, you know, promoting something that has already been officially released and is out there is sadly almost a non-starter. It happens, but it's, you know, we, we would rarely take on a client that is hoping to promote music that's been around for a while. I think most artists know that, but, you know, it's, it should be said. But also, you know, things like press photos, having a pretty solid history of being on the road and touring, I think is also important because that kind of shows a level of commitment and seriousness to what you're doing, but also 
knowing that there's going to be a tour attached to the album release makes it easier both for the writers and editors that were pitching to take the whole project seriously, but also to pursue media opportunities in the cities that you visit. And if a band has a team or a partial team put together, a manager, radio promo, a label, you know, those things are all good. I wouldn't say that they're absolutely necessary, but the more pieces you have in place, the more there is to talk about and the greater chances of success there are. So in, in short, PR representation is not the starting point. That's more like, it's more like the midpoint or somewhere along the way when you feel like, okay, we have our thing. Our thing is ready to go. It's going to go. We want to make sure it hits with the maximum impact. We're going to engage in a press campaign and bring on a company like Missing Peace to help make that happen. Yeah. No, I. that's exactly, I mean, I'm super glad to hear you say that. You know, and I think it's something that artists have to hear just the words when you said for press outlets to take them seriously. You know, as I, I try to say this to young bands all the time, you have to take yourself seriously before you're going to get other people to take you seriously, right? And that means when you come into the marketplace, you have to be ready for it. You have to be poised for it. You have to have exactly like you said, you know, a tour under your belt, a tour planned, you know, some touring history. It would be great to have a recording. For a label, it's not always 100% that you have to have those recordings beforehand, but you certainly at least have to have demos and something that we can listen to. And that's that's easier and easier as the years go on because of technology. I mean, people almost always have songs out there in the marketplace that they've released themselves before they, you know, do anything else, which is great. That's very helpful. But yeah, it, taking a band seriously, you can't do that until they're taking themselves seriously. And that means, you know, having the correct attitude and realizing, you know, how to be a band in this world. Exactly. That's more sad truth. <laughs> but it, it's 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 the facts. And and uh, it's hard to describe, but because there are specific things, like I, I just mentioned that, you know, specific things like, you know, having the music ready in the press photos or whatever that go into that. But at the end of the day, there's sort of a sixth sense about it, I think, especially when you're, I'm trying to intuit how a writer or just a media outlet is going to respond to a pitch I give them. You want to make sure that you're pinging the sixth sense of who you're writing to so that it, it will say, oh, okay, this band is a thing. They could, I, I see a future for them. You know, it's almost like first impressions matter in some ways and having everything in its best shape as you come out the gate is going to make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to hit the ground running. And I, as, as I often say, be the train, right? Be the moving train if you're a band, because the moving train is the one that the rest of us want to jump onto. You know, don't be the train that's like way back in the station going, hey, guys, can you give us a push? <laughs> like, oh, we'll totally yeah. move once you guys push us. And it's like, no, be the train. And then everyone will be like, hey, we want to get on board. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I think there may still exist this misperception that publicists are like kind of like creating these media opportunities or like just kind of ginning them up out of a whole cloth and just presenting them to bands or somehow just like turning something that is not a thing and creating this illusion that it is bigger than it is. I, I mean, maybe that happens, but that's not the, I don't know, that's not the industry that I'm engaged in. That's not what we do at Missing Peace. I mean, we are taking an artist, taking the train, as it were, and elevating it to the maximum level that it naturally can achieve given what it is. Everything can get more press. It's just that how much more 
is kind of determined by real world factors. Right. If the train is moving, you know, people see that. And I think that it's a it's a difficult job that we're engaged on because there's an element of fantasy to being in a band and there's an element of sort of fun and you feel like you're getting away with something because it's so fun to play in a band with your friends and write cool songs and play on stage and all this stuff that it's like, it's really easy to forget that the rest of us actually do this for a living. Like, and this is a real job <laughs> and it's yeah, a real exactly. world, you know? And yeah. so it's, you have to come into the real world, understanding that this is a world and, and not just having the like, my mom loves it. So everybody else should love it too. Attitude, you know, like, why don't you guys just love me? You don't see that I'm just the greatest thing. Yeah, you, you just described every band that I was uh, ever trying to, to lead up. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be this sort of like business class kind of thing. It doesn't have to be so serious. You know, I mean, there's you, you want it to be serious and th- thoughtful and, and think with a business head in order to get business outcomes. But I, I do think that there's an aspect about, you know, having some genuine creativity to promote here. And let me just try to dig into this a little bit. I think that when we're reaching out, we're pitching writers we're often drawing from artist bios or you know having having had conversations with the artist talking about like what's their thing what are they doing what's the music about what's the music trying to achieve you know beyond like just like play this song and listen to it do you like the song period every artist has a story and developing that story and making it as interesting as possible i think is essential to getting media response that is one of the central barometers, I think, uh, at the beginning of any campaign where we can judge about how this is going to be received is, is, is there an interesting story here? And that can come in the form of a literal story of like, hey, this artist grew up in this interesting place and had this interesting experience. Or it can be more about uh, what the message of the music is, or it can be something more ephemeral, just based in the rooted in the identity of the artist and how they present themselves. But that all said, I think it's essential that that come from a place of creative honesty and not be any sort of facade. But if you have that, if you have a core creative idea as an artist that you are putting into your music, what I love and what I would advise is is you, you identify what that is and double and triple down on it. Amplify that part of you, which is the most creatively honest, so that you can kind of treat it like its own artistic medium and 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 develop that along with your next album, your next song. And as that comes out, you know, if you bring on a publicist, they should, a good publicist should be able to identify what that is with you, quickly uh, be able to put that into words, put that into demonstrable content that you put in front of media outlets, and they will pick up on that. They, that that's where they'll say, oh, this is interesting, rather than like, yeah, I kind of like that song. You know, that that is, I think, so essential towards having a meaningful impact in the media and a successful media campaign. Awesome. Well, on that note, Justin Schmidt of Missing Peace Group, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What? Well, thank you for having me. And here's the thing. We don't love everything. No. We don't. We no, don't. in fact, there are things we hate too. Yes. Let me tell you something about Angela. She hates toga parties. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I went to the University of Michigan, so you know what hell that was. <laughs> toga Party Central. Hello. Go blue. Like every weekend, I loathe, I hate toga parties. Yes. I really do. I just don't understand them. I don't understand how if I'm um, naked and drunk in a bed sheet, why am I not <laughs> That is a solid ass point. We were like 90% to a good night. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And then somehow we stopped, and now I'm holding some white girl's hair in an alley while she vomit. Mm -hmm. I mm. shaved it. I was ready. Yes. What the f happened? Right. This was in the right direction for a long time. Right, 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 right. So I hate toga parties, but you know what I don't do, Francis? What don't you, you know do? What I don't do? What don't you do? I don't go on Facebook and look for toga parties that I'm not invited to. Mm -hmm. Get a bunch of other toga party hating people. Right. Go make a bunch of signs that say, we hate toga parties, God hates toga parties. You're gonna, God's gonna kill you because you're toga party. Yeah. Go to that toga party that none of us are invited to. Walk up and down the street in front of it, harass, beat up, and threaten, go, we hate toga parties. Toga parties should die just like you. You know why I don't do that? Because it's stupid. I have laundry to do, okay? Yes. Yes. I got to pumice. I ain't got time for that. Mm -hmm. Looking for to be. It's none of my damn business. Yes. That was Toga Parties by Frangela. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Gabe Herring of CD Baby and Woods Entertainment. Gabe, welcome to The Future of What. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad you're here. So let's talk about what you do at CD Baby. Yes. Yeah, so at CD Baby, I actually work in the product development department. And so kind of outside of the, the music side, but working on kind of the, the new software and features that we're creating for tools for our artists to use. Mm -hmm. And then outside of CD Baby, I also am the president of Woods Entertainment Group, which is an artist development company, but it acts more as a label services team. We provide all the functions a label services team would. And so we're kind of helping artists out on that front. And so I kind of have the best of both worlds where at CD Baby, I'm working on the technology side and kind of have the the internal view of how distribution works and then I can kind of take that and work with that on the work that I do outside of CD Baby at Woods Entertainment. Perfect. So let's talk about label services and and helping artists mm -hmm. with stuff outside of sort of a label, a traditional right. label structure because that's what really we're talking about on this mm -hmm. episode. So what kind of artists come to you? How many like you know, what size are they? Where right. are they at in their careers? And what do you guys do for them? So we work with artists from all genres, all sizes. Really what we do is we're, we're finding artists who have a lot of potential, but have no idea how to navigate this industry. There's a lot of new things coming into this industry in terms of technology, different channels and avenues that they can kind of put their music on. And so what we do is we find these artists who need some help and then we guide them basically. So as like a label services team, I would see them like a record label that's not taking their rights. And so mm. what we're doing is we're kind of helping them and educate them on how to release something properly and get the most impact out of it and kind of help use our resources that we've developed over the years to kind of help get the biggest impact out of the release. And do you guys have a publicity team? I mean, what do you what services yes. do you offer? I mean, we do everything from playlist pitching to press to getting features and promos on some of the partner sites like iTunes and Spotify and things like that and it's you're looking at the person who does all of that. I'm the one who <laughs> runs all of the press for us. I do all the playlist pitching, reaching out to whoever our reps are at Spotify, iTunes, Deezer. And I've just developed those relationships over the years. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at finding people's contact information. And so <laughs> kind of making it more personal too, where it's, 
anytime we're, we're working with a company or I've developed a relationship over there, it's become very personal where it's, it's not just business. It's, I mean, I love when I get to go out of town and if I'm going to LA or Nashville and then getting to sit down and talk with the people that we kind of work on the internet with. And so, I mean, we're doing anything and everything. I mean, we're also even looking for brand sponsorships for artists. Mm, um, that's something that I've kind of really gotten myself into lately where it's, we're hoping these artists create a brand about themselves, which mm. is something big in the industry today. That's something that I think artists really need to work on to help them stand out, mm -hmm. especially with how saturated the industry is getting with releases because it's becoming so easy. And so, yeah, we do everything from playlist pitching, press, a little bit of management, consulting, social media management. I mean, you name it, we'll do it. Do you guys have a sync licensing department or do you have a partner that does that? We do most of that through CD Baby just because since I work there, I'm able to work with our internal sync licensing department and kind of get a little bit of help from that. And so that's, we haven't really stepped too much into that, but I know with some of the releases that we're working on right now, they're getting a lot more commercial and professional. And so that's definitely an outlet that we've been kind of shooting towards. And I know we have, we have a few connections at some of the major labels that have kind of been not helping us through the major label, but kind of helping us consult on the outside of that. And so starting to build up partnerships with that. And so hopefully we'll see a lot more of that in the future, but I know that's a huge channel and an avenue that artists are able to kind of start making money off of, and it's becoming a lot more popular. So you say what you work with artists from all genres, but yes. not all genres are as equally popular. Right. So what are you actually looking for in the artists that you work with, or do you just work with anyone? For me, the biggest thing is you have to have drive and a work ethic. That is, and if you have some talent behind you, that's all you need right there. And we can kind of help channel that and take it the rest of the way. And so that's funny that you brought that up because I really didn't know too much about country music. And I found an artist that I... I was really impressed with it was the drive that he had and he was doing everything by himself and it was it was actually when I first started working at CD Baby I came across this artist and I've been at CD Baby for almost five years now and then it was only about six months ago I reached out to this artist actually to, to talk to him to see who was helping him how he was doing all of this who's helping with his releases and kind of prepping his release and pitching it and all that and he was doing everything himself and he had a lot of talent. He was an army veteran. And so he has the drive and work ethic and he's like the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. And so coming into that genre was very different from let's say hip hop or indie rock or pop, which is which are other genres that I work with as well. And so it was, you find ways to navigate those genres and how to reach that audience because it's, it's a lot different from a country audience than let's say a hip hop audience. Absolutely. And so it's, for me, it's fun to figure out how that genre works and learning about it, researching it, how the audience reacts. And it's, I mean, it's, just that right there, you can see how different they are. And so, and again, it's you market and promote different in those genres than you would for pop or indie rock or hip hop. Absolutely. And your contact people are going to be completely different too. Absolutely. And it's been, uh, I've been surprised with how fast we've developed our contacts in country music. But again, with the uh, kind of going back to building a brand for the artists and a story behind them, this guy has the most unique story you'll ever see. He's, I mean, he served in the army for eight and a half years. He's a Purple Heart recipient. He's a army combination medal with Valor Device. And then he sounds like Garth Brooks. Wow. And so it, it wasn't too difficult to take him and kind of try to get him on some of these platforms where we've landed some really big press for him. We've been working with Apple Music on some playlists over there. We actually just partnered with Ariat, which is one of the biggest clothing brands in the country genre. And so it's, yeah, everything's been moving very fast with him and it's, he doesn't want to go to a major label. He kind of wants to keep everything in-house with what we're doing because he has control over everything. Right. So you guys do all these label services for artists, but you take a fee. 
I'm assuming. Yes, we do take a fee for it. And so, but it's it's not like you're handing your rights over to us. You're still allowed to do whatever you want with your music. You're able to do stuff outside with what we're doing. So it's it's non-exclusive. It's it's just the extra push that some artists need. It's because a lot of the times with these kind of these new platforms coming out or learning how to navigate the industry, they just they don't know how. And so that's where we kind of help guide them and kind of push them along the way and kind of give them some of the truths they don't want to hear some of the times. Yeah. But again, they're able to do with whatever they want. So it's there does come a small fee with it, but it's not anything like you would see at like a, a major label or anything like that. Right. Well, and I think it's important. I mean, the point of this episode is to talk about, you know, people are always saying, well, why do you need a record label in this day and age? And the answer is you don't need a right. record label, but you do need somebody to do your business. Right. And usually that somebody is a team of people right. often, right. you know, not just one person. Right. And in the the reason the model is different is that in a lot of cases nowadays, you're actually paying up front for these services right. as opposed to with a label structure where the label pays for everything, but mm -hmm. then they split the profits on the back end. Right. And with an indie label, you're usually looking at like a 50-50 profit right. share. With a major label, you're probably looking at some kind of a percentage deal, which you know perhaps you got in advance, mm -hmm. but you may not see anything on the back end for a very long time, if ever. Right. So it's a very different in terms of the way the finances work. It's really different. But I think this is really interesting that, you know, companies like yours have sprouted up and exist to help artists because, I mean, what you've said so far is like a ton of work, like just tracking <laughs> down who, you know, who are your contacts in the right. country music genre. And really, you know, I mean, this whole podcast is about how we want artists to do all this stuff nowadays. Like as everything's diversified, it's like now an artist has to be a producer and an engineer right. and a publicist and figure out how how to like find who's playlisting and their contact information on the internet. It's it's way more right. than these artists should be doing than anybody should be doing. You know, it's like this is your job. This is my job. Like we are supposed to do this stuff for artists. Right. Artists are supposed to be artists. So I think that what you guys are doing is really perfect for this moment in time. Like it's like just working in the zeitgeist. You know, it's like this is what we need right now. Right. It's kind of like the new frontier where it's I mean there's a lot of new ways that you can do things that people aren't doing things today. And it's especially for artists who I found out they have a hard time bragging about themselves. And so mm -hmm. when it's when it's not my music that I'm putting out, but it's I feel connected to it still, it's I'm more than happy to brag about it, tell people how good this artist is, why they should have them on their platform and why they should be supporting him or her. And it's definitely it's become something where it's, it doesn't feel like work anymore because it's we've been getting so many wins lately where it's kind of building up all of our contacts that, again, when we have more artists that start coming to us, it's start applying those contacts that we've made or kind of mistakes that we've learned from kind of because, again, this is all kind of new, the label services kind of way of doing things where you don't have any connections with these major labels who are still dominant in the industry today, but there's a way to work around that. There's a way for the independent musicians to make this a career and it's becoming more and more popular as, I mean, that the way people consume music where streaming's kind of flipped everything upside down where it's now, I mean, you have Spotify who's discovering music for you and it's everybody wants to be the first person that found this artist and share it with their friends on social media or people are starting their own blogs. And so it's, it's definitely changed the way that people are kind of seeing the music industry that we see it today. Right. So just for the musicians who are listening to mm -hmm. this podcast, can you talk about the difference between going the CD baby route and going with like Woods as right. you're doing your label services? Like what's the difference right. for an artist? So with CD baby, we're a very large distributor and we have a label services team there as well. And it, the big difference is that label services team is dealing with a lot higher volume. 
I mean, we distribute for over 650,000 artists over there. And so it's a lot of the high priority clients that are coming in there that are musicians that are kind of taking it serious and putting in the work in terms of their touring. They have a PR team running things for them. They're actually active on social media. They're creating content all the time, but they, they need that extra push to kind of reach out to some of these platforms like iTunes and Spotify or any other platform that's offering opportunities, but they, there's only so many people that they can work with. Right. Of course. And so we've definitely, we're a lot more boutique-ish at Woods Entertainment where, I mean, right now we're only working with about nine artists and there's about five of us who work on that team over there. And so we're able to spend a lot more time with those artists individually. And I think that's something that helps where it's, it gives us time to research into the genre or research into what this artist end goal is and we can kind of help get them there and so because it's not every artist kind of has the same end goal in mind and so if it's whether they want more exposure or they want playlists or if they want it all we can kind of cater to their needs and kind of put together a little campaign that's gonna help them reach that end goal that they have in mind definitely so i like what you've been saying about artists being willing to work hard yes do you want to just explain what you mean by that Yes, I feel like, especially in today's age with technology and the internet becoming a very common platform to find music, a lot of artists think they can basically go and record something, put it on the internet, and they're going to blow up. It's going to take care of itself, and that's just not true. Back in the day when we were kind of just getting started with the internet and kind of that was the new platform, it was a lot easier because you weren't fighting against so many other people out there that were trying to do the same thing. There's some artists that I've worked with that are extremely talented, that have opened up for some very well-known artists but they don't have the drive. They think that they've done enough. They think that they've done all that they can. I mean, they're not putting in practice. They're not being active on social media, which is a huge thing today where it's, I mean, that's a huge platform to reach out to your fans at. Creating content consistently. They basically record their album or their singles or their EP, whatever it is, and they put it out there and they kind of think that's it. And so it's being willing to do whatever it takes. I think that's one of the biggest thing is willing to put in the effort, the time that it takes. I mean, it's not easy. You're gonna be working every day, all day. It's more than 40 hours a week. It's time consuming, it's hard, but if it's music is really something that you enjoy, I mean, it's that's where it doesn't become work at that point. And that's where you have that work ethic and that drive because you see that end goal and you see the amount of work that it takes to get there. And it's it's not as simple as just throwing something up there and hoping that it kind of takes off on its own. There's there's a lot of work behind a lot of these successful artists and it's not something that everybody sees. And so it, that's one of the, the big things is it's going to take time. It's going to be hard. You're not going to see the results that you want at first. And it's that's where it takes repetition, being persistent and just keep driving. Yeah. No, I mean, you're saying everything that I want everyone to hear because I say <laughs> it all the time. And I, you know, it sounds like a broken record. But yeah, I think there's that weird black box between, you know, we see an artist starting and then we see an artist like at a certain level right. and you don't see what's in the middle. And so people just assume there's nothing in the right. middle. But instead, what's actually in the middle is just tons of hard work and like oh, slogging and keeping after it and doing stuff when you don't feel like doing it and touring when you lose money and playing rooms to only five people and missing your girlfriend or boyfriend and all of the stuff that people do that you actually have to do to get from point A to point B. You know, this, none of this is ever going to be just handed to you on a plate. Like you, you, I feel like we tell this terrible story about like, you know, the YouTube sensation or something like someone who put up one video on YouTube and now they're a superstar. And it's like, that's not even true. Like when you look at those YouTube people, they do like a video a day and it's all edited and incredible. Like I, that's so much work. I can't even 
imagine. It would take all day to put those videos out. Yes. I mean, it's not like it's one take and it's ready to go. It's, no. it's crazy how much work goes into those. That to me looks like harder work than anything that, you know, most of the rest of us do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's and it's hard getting traction on some of those videos. Like totally. I run all the YouTube channels for our artists as well. And it, some of them have very good followings. And even when we put some content out there, we don't get the reaction that we are expecting. And it's like, at that point, it's like, okay, we need to pivot and kind of figure out how to what we need to do to, to get the traction that we were looking for. And it's, totally. I mean, you're not going to get the results that you want every single time. And it's not going to happen just like that. Everything has some kind of work behind it. There's always a team behind it too. It's not always an individual that's working on something. It's, right. I mean, there might be some people out there that can do it, but it's, it's crazy how much work there is that goes into it. And mm -hmm. it's every person on the team kind of has their, their position or something that they're responsible and very good at. And that's mm -hmm. where I think you start seeing, a lot more accomplishments when it's, I mean, it's a team that meshes well together, that works well together, and everybody knows their part and does it the best they can. Totally. So what's your advice for young musicians listening to this about who want to, you know, they want to get into the music business? Be willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, one of the big things is seeing artists that go on tour. Again, they don't see how hard that is, how emotionally draining, physically draining, staying healthy. But I mean, always putting out content, always creating content. You don't always have to put the content out, but keep creating. I mean, right now content is king on social media and that's what really is helping drive some artists' platforms. And it's, if you can consistently put content out and kind of either create a schedule or a calendar for your fans to stay up on where it's, they keep coming back for more because they're gonna, they know that they're gonna be able to check back in for something new, but just keep creating. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Well, Gabe Herring from CD Baby and Woods Entertainment, thanks so much for being with us today on The Future of What. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Hear me out. I've been losing all the time out of love As if the misery were designed Cast a spell Only hurts Through the hands That's behaving like a curse Is the reason to the run Where the cause will start to find The cause will start to find
that's behaving like a curse. That was The Hex by Horse Feathers. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Kinski, Frangela, Horse Feathers, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week. Can I have a taste of your ice?